Welcome to Across Oceans, the podcast where we discuss all things related to third culture kids, growing up overseas, and crazy travel stories. We'll discuss the benefits, the challenges, and everything in between, from growing up as a global nomad to where we are now as adults. I'm your host, Julia, and thank you for tuning in. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Once again, I have a very special guest with me today. I am joined with my friend, Matt Dahlia, who you may know from the YouTube channel, Yes Theory. But beyond Yes Theory, he is an author, fellow podcaster, and TCK. So welcome to Across Oceans, Matt. Thank you, Julia. Excited to be here. So excited to have you. Um, You are calling from Paris today, which is one of the places you grew up, I believe, but not the only place. Do you want to explain your upbringing a little bit? Yeah, this is true. I am calling from Paris. Middle of the summer here in Paris. Shockingly not too hot unlike a lot of Europe, so I'm very grateful for that. Um, I, yeah, this is probably the number one place I consider home. Uh, I I was born in New York City. I left, my family and I left, not me personally, I left (laughs) uh, when I was three. Okay. My family and I moved to Paris, to Neuilly specifically, so just kind of like uh, a little bit on the outskirts of the city. Okay. Um, and I grew up there until I was seven. And then when I was seven, uh, my family and I moved to Greenwich, Connecticut. So about a 45 minute train ride from uh, New York City uh, for my dad's job. My mom was a lawyer, my dad was a doctor, my dad's Puerto Rican, my mom's French. And um, it was always this dilemma of which country they would pick and mm. it created kind of this back and forth in my life um and they had to decide you know whose job are they going to prioritize and my mom was willing to let my dad you know take the take his dream job which is being a director at an emergency hospital in the city in new york city and she became a housewife and uh we moved when i was seven and for we stayed for about six years and then my mom came to us, my siblings and I one day, and she's like, hey, I want you guys to remember your French roots. We're going to go back to Paris for a year and, uh, yeah, just reconnect with your culture, your family, etc. And I had very much gotten used to the American culture, so I was pretty pissed off. And so were my siblings, everybody cried. Yeah. And then we went back to Paris when I was 13, got put into this international school went from hanging out with all these white, rich American kids to suddenly being with kids from all over the world mm-hmm. who didn't also necessarily know where they were from or what to call home. Right. And it created this, it was like a, a great awakening for me. I, I couldn't believe that there were people like me. Mm-hmm. And um, stayed for a year, had the, truly the best year of my like childhood. Um, and came back when I was 14 and stayed in Greenwich for another four years before I went to Montreal for university. So it was a little mm-hmm. back forth, back forth, and then right. back to Canada. Mm-hmm. Well, I find your story very interesting because often as TCKs, we're moving around to different cultures and countries, if not just our parents' passport countries. But for you, you fought between France and the US, which is where both of your parents are from. Um, spending a bit more time in the U.S. it sounds and then that year in France was really 
kind of eye-opening for you. Um, mm -hmm. And you were also, I guess, in different places in the U.S., like New York is a small child, and then Con Connecticut, did you say, sir? Connecticut, yeah. yeah. Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so do you feel that you have more connection to one passport country than the other because of this, or is it really divided? Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, my dad is Puerto you know, grew up in Puerto Rico. Right. So he left the island when he was 18. So even as much as Puerto Rico is a part of the U.S., it's very much its own culture as well. And so every Christmas, you know, I mean, sometimes for like up to three weeks, we would spend in Puerto Rico with my Puerto Rican family. Right. So I also feel, I'm, I'm definitely not going to say I'm Puerto, like Puerto Rican because I've, you know, only spent sometimes like several months out of the year on that island but it's been America never necessarily felt like home um I think potentially because my dad never actually was from the mainland and right obviously my mom wasn't either um so when we moved to the U.S. you know we moved to a town my dad didn't really know anybody mm -hmm. my mom didn't know anybody so there wasn't this sense of like oh we're going to dad's country it was right. more of we're in a place where dad speaks the language the rest of us kind of pretty much don't my mom spoke a little right uh just that's how she communicated with my dad <laughs> um but oh. uh france for me has always felt more like home okay. um french culture has always felt more like home paris has felt i feel way more relaxed when i'm out here mm -hmm. um i think there's just a sense of um history and substance that mm -hmm. i find sometimes lacking in the u.s but you know being it's tck there's also you know you see the good and the bad in both cultures so there's a lot that's amazing about the u.s that i really appreciate that i don't find here as much you know like the entrepreneurial spirit the curiosity that people have the mm -hmm. um like the infinite possibilities that are available uh, yeah so. absolutely it's an interesting, interesting dynamic to navigate. Yeah, almost like they're very opposite cultures in, in a lot of ways. Um, Definitely. And very complex histories and stuff as well between the two countries. So, and of course, mm -hmm. with Puerto Rico as well, that's an extra layer of complexity too, especially Puerto Rico's like relationship with the U.S. as well. And so, yeah, yeah. that's that's a lot of different angles coming at you as a kid as well. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But you were speaking both English and French growing up, or mostly French? No, mostly English. Mostly English. Um, when we moved, when I was seven, I, I didn't speak English. I, we were put into ESL right. um, with a few other international kids, but learned it, obviously, super quickly, mm -hmm. essentially, to survive. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, exactly. Yeah, honestly, this is weird. I, I, I think about this sometimes. I, I still find it odd that I speak fluent English. There's just, <laughs> like, this part of me that's, like, still remembers how impossible it was to understand the language right that when I speak it I'm like holy shit I'm more I speak better English than I do French which is a really mm -hmm. odd concept um because I'll make grammatical errors in French even though it was technically my first language right well that's super interesting and I guess that's something I didn't really deal with which as a kid which I'm dealing more with now like that um struggle to learn a new language because everywhere I grew up, English was the dominant uh, language. Mm -hmm. So I never had to face that as a kid, whereas now in a French speaking country, 
um, in Switzerland, especially in this area, it is very French. And so now I'm coming up against that, those challenges of, oh, I need to learn French to make deeper mm. connections and make friends. And I am struggling, honestly, because French is quite difficult, especially mm. I think as, a, an, as an adult. Um, Welcome yeah, to the club. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, yeah. don't test me on French because it's, mm. it's not there yet. <laughs> yeah. So you, because, so remind me again, like in uh, summary, so you were born in Canada? And born, then went to Singapore? Born in Canada, and then we spent two years in Egypt slash the Middle East, um, where, of course, English was prominent, not, not the dominant language. But anyways, yeah, after Egypt, we moved to Singapore when I was seven, and I stayed there until I graduated high school at 17, 18, and then I moved back to Canada for my undergrad, and then to Switzerland for my master's now. For you, does Singapore feel most like home? Definitely. I think when I think about my childhood and my growing up, Singapore is my home because that's where I experienced everything. Like I learned to ride a bike. I experienced the world. That's where I made friends. That's where all of my schooling took place. Um, so it feels like my home. But at the same time, my parents aren't there anymore. Most of my friends were other internationals or expats. And so they've all moved away. And so it's kind mm -hmm. of, I question, like, is that my home now or is that just the place I grew up? Mm -hmm. And when you go back, does it feel, does it make you feel sad? Like nostalgic kind of vibe? A little bit. I think because it doesn't exist in the way that it did when I grew up in the sense that that community and the people that I know aren't there anymore. Um, and there isn't a huge draw to go back because of that. Now that my family mm -hmm. is all in Switzerland and I have a friends in Canada where I went to school it's like especially with time and limited resources it's like oh where should I go on vacation or where should I go when I want to see people Singapore isn't the first place anymore mm -hmm. which is sad mm -hmm. because it's like that's my childhood and that's my growing up so mm -hmm. yeah yeah feel that it's very interesting because other people I feel like they have their parents and or their childhood friends in this one place and you can go back and feel the nostalgia and feel your childhood again almost but for us because we moved around and the people that mm -hmm. were in those places when we grew up might not be there anymore or even the locals that you would visit or shops have changed and areas have changed it just doesn't feel mm -hmm. the same yeah I mean this honestly same thing happened to me uh, mm -hmm. actually on, around the time we met I think it was like, actually, it's wild that you, because you're the one that introduced me to the TCK, the third yeah. culture kid, which changed my life forever. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what, there's a term for this thing? Yes. Holy shit. <laughs> um, but what had happened before we, you and I met in Switzerland was I had gone back to Paris. I First, I went to Puerto Rico because I was like, maybe because I, I didn't feel at home in LA. So I was like, right. really trying to make work on this book and not sure where I wanted to be with Yes Theory and was so confused. So I was like, get me out of LA. So I went to Puerto Rico where my grandparents lived, pretty much stayed with them for three months. Um, then quickly realized I was like, this isn't home either. You know, mm -hmm. as much as I love the people and the culture, it doesn't feel like home. Mm -hmm. And then the guys from the Yes Theory team, including my brother, were moving out to Paris. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy shit, you know, like maybe I should too. Maybe I should move out there. Mm -hmm. But Paris is home. Mm -hmm. And so I flew out with the plan to, you know, stay at least for a month and just kind of feel it out and 
probably stay for longer and move. Um, and, you know, I even wrote, I remember writing this newsletter because I, I had this newsletter and I, when I, on like the second day, I went to this co-working shop in Paris and I expressed in this newsletter, I was like, uh, you know, that scene in the Lion King where uh, Simba runs back to the, he's like, he's just running back home to, uh, I forget, Pride Rock. Um, I was like, that's how it feels for me. Like I'm running back <laughs> home and I'm home now. You're home. Yeah. And then within about two weeks, I just had this sense of dread. Mm. Like, oh no. Oh no. And it happened actually when I was walking in the 15th Holy Smallin, where my family and I used to live. And it was like, just went on a morning walk. And I was like, what is this? What is wrong? Like, why does this not feel right? What's going on? I remember like the sun was hitting my face. And I was just, all these young kids were running around just joyfully playing with each other. And I was like, all my friends are gone. Mm -hmm. All gone. Like, it's not the same if they're not here. Mm -hmm. Like, because every street corner, every place I go just reminds me of them. So it's actually worse. Mm -hmm. it, it makes it feel even more painful. Absolutely. And that started this, like, horrible psych, like, vortex down. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I don't no. have a home anywhere. I don't have a home anywhere. Oh, fuck. Yeah, oh. yeah. So there's, ever since then. But then, thank God, I mean, I think that's just how the, the universe works, you know? It's like, mm -hmm. I, I was, like, falling and falling and not trying to latch onto something. And then I met you, and you were like, I think I don't know if I expressed some of this, but you were like, yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. culture kid mm -hmm. I was like third culture kid and then you told me about the book and yeah then I devoured it <laughs> I could find my way back up yeah I mean I agree like I think labels can be really helpful and terminology and there is also discourse around third culture kid versus cross-cultural kid and like what term we should be using mm -hmm. but I think it's really helpful to have something to I don't know cling to when we don't have these physical representations of home it's like oh maybe we don't but we have other people who have shared experience and that's really really special so yeah i'm very very proud of you julia i think it's amazing that you're doing this and a lot of people start i mean i've told you this before but a lot of people start podcasts and record a few episodes and get tired of it mm -hmm. so the fact that you're just still chugging along is amazing i love it i also love listening to people's stories mm -hmm. and i'm sure honestly for you it must be do you feel like it's surprised you in some ways doing this, just hearing other people? Definitely. Doing it intentionally? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Doing it intentionally and um, listening to other stories, especially um, people who had wildly different backgrounds. Like I was an international teacher's kid, which is very also unique angle um, of being mm. a TCK, but also hearing about like missionary kids and military kids and how those angles have affected them as well. And mm. so connecting with a wider group of people because I've actually interviewed people that I didn't know firsthand and that's been really fun to like widen my network mm. and just connect with more people but then also to the friends that I have had already having them on the podcast has been really nice to reconnect and I've actually since met up with a few of them in person and I feel like it's made our friendship better because we were able to you know connect and then be like hey let's meet up so wow I love that yeah um and so you say after you bounced around between the U.S. and France for your growing up, you went off to Canada for school. And I'm wondering how that decision mm -hmm. came to be and, and why Canada? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, um, I had applied to only schools in the U.S. and then McGill, the only one that was outside of the U.S. in Canada. And uh, when I got, you know, I, I think I was accepted to like half the schools I applied to. And when I looked at the ones I had been accepted to, um, the tuition was like 25x yeah. what I would pay in Canada. Because yeah. if you have a French passport and you go to school in Quebec or university, you essentially, it's like even lower than in-state tuition. So I was paying like $2,000 a year, which is crazy for Absolutely. U.S. standards for like a really solid yeah. school. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I think there was something also about being in a more French city, a little more... Um, I'd say like a lot of college campuses in the U.S. to me felt a little stifling, a little um, uptight. And even stuff like the drinking age being mm -hmm. 21 and fat parties and all this stuff, it just didn't really appeal to me. I'd, I'd spent already a lot of time in the bro culture right. of the U.S. <laughs> and felt a, a desperate and wanting yeah. to get out. Um, and I... Yeah, I mean, I also had these, like, really grand expectations of what Montreal would do okay. for me. I, you know, I was like, it, again, I think I had this idea of that one year when I was 13 in Paris. I was like, oh, I can do that again. Like, if I can be in a city like right. Paris, I can recreate that feeling. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I ended up really just partying for the first year and drinking a lot, smoking a lot, just kind of like what I did not realize at the time was really just numbing myself. There was like... Mm -hmm a good amount of pain I hadn't dealt with from all the moves and the loss and the grief and the stuff that comes with being a third culture mm -hmm. kid uh, along with other you know traumatic things that have happened yeah. so I think um yeah it was just a it felt like the right move and I think it was um but I also think I hadn't dealt with my shit. So I kind of paid the consequences of the environment right. I was in, like the very free environment right. I was in. Interesting. That is mm -hmm. such a paradox because, yeah, I was going to, going to ask if you were drawn to it because of the French nature of Montreal. And it sounds like that was the case, mm -hmm. but then maybe almost for the wrong reasons because you thought it would just be similar to that that year in Paris and then it wasn't. And then that. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that happens mm -hmm. to us, right? Like, I think it's not even just people who are necessarily third culture kids. I think if if you have a good year or a really beautiful friendship with someone, relationship, whatever it is, and then it ends, there's this almost this like, it's almost like you're falling backwards and you're trying to cling mm -hmm. on to it. You're like, oh my God, wait, no, 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 no. Don't go away. Mm -hmm. Don't go away. Wait, I have to go back to this mm -hmm. other life? Wait, no, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so everything is just it almost like it, it was almost like my life became this obsession of how to get that feeling back. Mm -hmm. Like, I want that mm -hmm. feeling again. Is it drinking? Is it partying? Is it hanging out with certain types of people? Is it moving to the city? Like, what are the what's the formula? Like, you think there's like this calculation that you have to get right to to retrieve it. And. I think as I've gotten older, you you know, I've I've just realized that that was a moment in time that I can be grateful for. That one year in Paris, I could be really, really thankful. But 
whatever happens next, these new experiences are going to be different. Yeah. And it's going to make me feel mm -hmm. different. And I'm going to experience different emotions. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's better or worse. And I think I don't, I, I've stopped comparing um, everything to Paris right. at 13. <laughs> like, just that was going to be mm -hmm. nowhere. Yeah. That's super interesting. I mean, did you, for you, did you have a year, or like, was Singapore like that well, for you, or, I mean, even... Yeah, it's funny, because I moved back to Canada for my undergrad bachelor's degree, um, but I didn't move to the part of Canada that I was from, or, like, that my parents were from. I went to the East Coast, where none of my extended family were. I was like, I want to try something new, also as being the rebellious younger sibling, and, like, oh, I don't want to go out west where my sister is, like, I want to go to the complete opposite side of the country, make which made it easy for everyone, of course. Um, yeah. And so I spent those five years in Halifax for, for my bachelor's and one working. Um, and it was great and it was wonderful. And I made so many amazing friends. But at the same time, I think I always knew I wasn't going to stay there um, post-studying. And I think that kind of made me form relationships in an interesting way, like friendships and romantic relationships because it was like oh I I'm in my mind I'm here for like this set amount of time but I think I want to go back overseas afterwards like move away from Canada again and I don't know if that's so similar to that like one year that you had in Paris but I look at it in the same way it's like oh, I was really grateful for the those five years like that's where I became an adult Halifax is a huge part of my life when people ask me where in mm -hmm. Canada am I from I say Halifax they don't say the tiny town I born mm, in because wow. I have no connection to that town I don't say where my parents are from I say Halifax because it did I feel like almost raise me as much as Singapore did in terms of like young adulthood but at the same time mm. I don't know if I can go back yeah. so I, again I it's really that. interesting that kind of paradox um, so then I moved overseas again into Switzerland and it's been amazing, but also comes with its own challenges. Like I was saying before we started recording, I don't know if I can stay here after I graduate legally. Being a foreigner is really hard. So mm -hmm. I think what I didn't realize at the time when I left Halifax is that I was kind of throwing myself in a situation where I didn't know if I could feel at home again. Like that the sense of home was mm -hmm. almost out of my control because it's in kind of the hands of the government in terms of if I can stay here or not, if I feel at home here or not. I just kind of was like, oh, I want to leave. I want to go be with my family again because they also moved here and be closer to my sister, which has been amazing. But um, also, I don't think I realized the kind of cost that it would come at with oh, settling in a country again that I might not be able to stay in, which was Singapore. Like I settled there, but I couldn't stay there mm -hmm. post high school. So, oh, because of these, yeah, stuff? like I had, I had to go oh, really? else. I mean, I could have studied there for school, but it was for like undergrad but it was really expensive and so same thing Canada was the financial option and I did want to explore what it was like to live in Canada because I didn't remember it because I only lived there between the ages of zero mm. and six and so I was like okay this is something I want to explore but I'm not sure if it's something that I want um, forever but now mm. that I don't know if I can stay here I'm like oh maybe Canada is a good option like I am kind of leaning towards wanting to be settled so I'm like let me go settle in a place that, that won't kick me out and just build build a life and build those mm -hmm. deep friendships that's what I'm craving now at this point as I'm getting older mm -hmm. 
So mm. it's interesting. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the gift and the mm -hmm. curse, right? Exactly. The kind of infinite possibilities of where you could go. I mean, granted, you have these visa issues, but um, I think there's this common thing with TCKs where it's like, wow, you can go anywhere, really, and you can be, like, you have these choices, and you've lived in all these places and all this stuff, but at the end, you're like, fuck, I don't know how to go deep. Yeah in relationships and like you know set mm -hmm. roots in a, in a certain place and um yeah i think as you get older as well there's this feeling of like lack you're like oh i i want to i want to feel grounded somewhere yeah but it's hard you have, it can change in such a short period of time too like you said going back to curse when the yes three people are moving you're like oh maybe this will be it but then quickly in like two weeks you're like oh no maybe this isn't right or for me in this two years i've kind of felt all these different feelings that I didn't expect to feel with moving back overseas. So. Mm -hmm. And I've wondered too, with your lifestyle of being more of a digital nomad with Yes Theory and everything, has that helped because you're able to like go and see people and move around or has it made it worse because you're constantly moving? Um, I'd say... Honestly, I just don't feel there's a choice. I think I I literally can't, I, I physically can't stay in a place for too long. Mm. Like it, there's something that I don't know what it is. Something happens in my body where if I'm in a place for more mm -hmm. than like five or six months, I, I physically, I need to get out. I'm like, get me the fuck out of this thing. Like mm -hmm. I need to travel. I need to see other mm -hmm. places and be with other cultures. Um, Of course, I know it's from that, you know, from the moving around as a kid, but my family and I traveled a lot as well beyond just moving. We also went to a lot of places. So right. um, I think when you, at a very young age, are aware of what's out there, it's very difficult mm -hmm. to be satisfied with just a, a very simple routine-like existence. Um, mm -hmm. And I, honestly, talking to my friend... Uh, Sophia, who's also a TCK, she she really helped me with this because she was like, it's a yes and, you know, you can you can still be in a place mm. for a certain amount of time and travel a lot. Like it doesn't, you don't have to constantly be right. moving and never settling. Um, so that's been really helpful. And I think now at this stage in my life, because we've been based in LA for, I mean, most of my 20s, um, even though mm -hmm. we've traveled around a lot, that's been home, I think. Yeah, I think I want to explore, explore different places and see what would feel like home. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's been, I mean, honestly, ever since we connected and talked about this, like, I'd say the past two and a half years have been really grieving. Like, I think that's mm -hmm. one of the big points mm -hmm. that I forget the name of the author, but the one who wrote the Third Culture Kid book. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> have it here. David Pollock and Ruth Van That's Reichen. right. <laughs> David and Ruth. Um yeah that's one of the points that I, they drove home so much was grief for tck's is essential mm -hmm. like you have to learn how to grieve you have to go through this process Absolutely. otherwise you're just going to re keep repeating the cycle of new places you go to so um i think in grieving there's been a lot it's helped me a ton just kind of be okay with mm -hmm. what happened and um the things i lost and also the things I gained, you know, there's been a lot of mm -hmm. good too. Exactly.
exactly it's such a both sides of the coin like there's so much we gained but also a lot that we've lost or had to say goodbye to Mm -hmm. friendships and in places and it is a lot to deal with in your young 20s as well where like so much of you is forming and figuring out and that's just a difficult time anyway and then add this like extra layer of I guess childhood stuff to figure out yeah were you um able to bring any of that into the book or like did you talk about identity Mm -hmm. at all yeah I mean um you know Thomas is a third culture kid as well my co-founder that yeah his parents are both Swedish and he grew up in an international school in Paris um and I talk about in the book about how we connected over that how we're we both weren't sure where home was and so I think there's this right at least for us there was this feeling of like well if we don't belong anywhere we might as well create a, a world where we belong where people understand us um and in a lot of ways that was I think at the root of yes theory was creating a sense of belonging for ourselves and for people who were in similar similar situations, which is why honestly a lot of people in the yes fam are so international. I think you can't sure. find that home in yeah. a lot of places. Um, so I talk about that. I talk about my moves. I talk about how difficult it was coming back from Paris to the U.S. the second time. Um, talk about the difficulty of being French after 9/11. France didn't join the Iraq war yeah. and so you know be, right. being bullied in school um after that happened and just feeling isolated um and then creating yes theory and then getting to a place around the age of like 26 or 27 and I, I, there's a part in the book where I talk about mm-hmm. this um where everything is blowing up like you know especially in 2018 is when everything starts going crazy and the videos start exploding and the freaking subscribers start really shooting up into the millions. And then, um, you know, there's like Will Smith accepts our challenge and all these like monumental things happen in our lives that validate the thing that we believed in so much. And um, I explain in the book, I'm like, you know, if you were to look at just the outside, it would be this incredible moment in time and pure celebration but Mm -hmm. I think something happened where the success just magnified um a lot of this stuff I didn't want to look at and one thing in particular was loneliness like I especially on Sundays when a video would go up we'd usually post a video at like 10 a.m on a Sunday every week Mm -hmm. um I would find myself in my room on my couch in my room, just kind of like looking up at the ceiling, laying down for hours, feeling, oh my God, I'm so lonely. Like, I don't know what this is. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on, but I feel so lonely and I feel so uh, caught up in this whirlwind where people think I'm, you know, this thing, but I, there's this whole other part of me that I, I feel like I I haven't actually explored. Um, And the problem is, you know, when you work so hard on something for so long and it starts to work and people start to recognize it, you can't be like, hey, guys, thanks for doing this. Thanks for, you know, paying attention. But 
I gotta take some time off and I gotta yeah. figure this shit out because I'm not doing great. Mm-hmm. It's more like, holy fuck, yeah. this wave is like growing. And if I don't surf this, like I'm gonna crash. And so I, it was just this, right. you know, every day you're just like shaking on this board as the wave is just growing, growing above you and um, the pressure grows and uh, along with it, the loneliness grows. And so there's just this like massive disparity between what it looks like to the world and how you feel inside. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, until COVID happened for me, COVID, you know, COVID was hard for so many people. For me, it was like a forced stop to the work that I was doing. And right. uh, it allowed me to start looking at the stuff that I dealt, you know, I'd gone through in childhood and never processed. And the book essentially became that it became a way to process what I'd built, but also the difficulties of my childhood and how it led me to building what I built and also um, mm-hmm. yeah, giving people giving people a look at what it actually felt like, not just a 15, 20 minute video they see on, yeah. on a Sunday episode, you know? So that was kind of the mm-hmm. goal is like in, in writing about my own loneliness and these kinds of struggles, but also, you know, the highs, it's not all very de- that depressing. It's, it's a really yeah, fun book. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think there's this. Uh, yeah, the goal is to make people feel a little less alone as well, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, just feel seen in that way. Mm-hmm, for sure. And like you said, you were like going through a lot to figure all this stuff out while simultaneously writing the book. Was that difficult too? Because you don't want to like talk about so many personal things, maybe to something that's going to be mm-hmm. read by so many people. So like also filtering yourself to be like, oh, I want to share my experience, but also for sure keep some of the things for you. Yeah, definitely. I remember a friend of mine when I was starting to write write the book. Uh, she said, um, "Write from your scars, not your wounds." And I love that. It's like, mm. Yeah, that's great. You know, work <laughs> on it, process it yourself, and then share it. And I think for a lot of my life, I just shared. Just even to strangers sometimes I'd be like yeah I'm like fully in it right now um mm-hmm. and now I think I've just learned like especially with the book it's it's forced me to deal with my stuff and process it first and then write about it rather than spilling out my emotions and hoping people understand me um so it's been a very intentional process the first few drafts were that like it allowed me to just like process it myself I think that's how writing is, mm-hmm. right? Like the first stuff is just vomiting all your emotions yeah. and you get to process it yourself first before the audience can read it. And then mm-hmm. uh, you, you kind of like filter the information you feel like is, is good for people to read and yeah, you have to keep stuff for yourself. I can't share everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to read it. <laughs> Thanks, Julia. I'm excited for you to read it too questions do you have anything else you want to say about the book or so, i mean honestly it feels like a, like a 12 year thesis because yeah. i started my business first business when i was 19 i just kind of didn't stop right since and in a lot of ways i feel like i'm still that kid mm-hmm. I, I feel like i'm still that 19 year old i feel like i haven't fully graduated from that part of my life and mm-hmm. this book feels like the graduation um yeah i mean it's you know, it's eight years since we started Yes Theory, and in eight years, I mean, so many of my friends have had different jobs and lived, mm-hmm. you know, in different places and had all these different relationships, and 
for me, it's been the same guys, the same idea. Yes, it's evolved in many ways, but um, I, you know, I, I feel like there's a whole new phase and chapter that um, I think is waiting for me, which is yeah. a, a cool thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's super exciting. Well, th yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to come on Across Oceans. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun to catch up. Same here, Julia. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider sharing it with a friend and rate us five stars. We are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to follow along and be updated on when future episodes get released, follow us on Instagram at Across Oceans Podcasts where any inquiries can be emailed to acrossoceanspodcast at gmail.com. I'm your host, Julia, and thank you for tuning in.